Welcome to the Pete on Software podcast, where we program with passion. This is the podcast that discusses technology, the business side of software, and the tech people that drive our industry. And now, here's your host, Pete Shearer. Hi, and welcome to episode 30 of the Pete on Software podcast. I'm recording this on Sunday, December 21st, 2014. This will be my last episode of 2014, but this episode is mildly important for another reason. In a few days, it'll be my one-year anniversary on this podcast. I released the first episode on December 29th, 2013. It's been a crazy year for me on this podcast. I started out going weekly, but then I lapsed a little bit. I finally decided on an every two-week schedule in June, and that allowed me to keep to a schedule and continue putting out regular content. I have a format, per se, and I like alternating between guests and verbal essay-type shows. I would like to have more guests, but I'm terrible about asking them to come on without feeling like I'm imposing. Other times, I just have a hard time locating people of interest. I will say that my two most popular episodes are both interviews. The first most popular is Rondale Williams talking about Android and being a new developer over in episode 26. And my next most popular episode is back in episode 24, where Wolfgang Gorlick talked about security. But rounding out the top five are episode 25 about increasing productivity, episode 19 about imposter syndrome, and episode 22 talking about store procedures. So both kind of episodes seem to be successful to some degree. All of that being said, I really appreciate my listeners that I've gained over this last year. This podcast has thousands of downloads, and it's only possible because some people are telling other people about the show, and I'm very grateful for that. Today, though, I'm not here to just be meta and talk about the podcast. I want to talk about being a programmer and when you can, you can consider yourself a professional programmer. I've seen a few questions out there where people can wonder uh, when they're able to consider themselves programmers and call themselves programmers. To me, if you've written a line of code, you've programmed, but that doesn't make you a programmer. My daughter isn't a makeup artist because she's applied eyeliner at least once, and I'm not a doctor because I've diagnosed my son as having a cold and given him him uh, some kind of medicine. At the same time, I don't think there's any kind of artificial barrier here. If you've written a computer program, you've programmed. But when when are you a programmer? I do think that you're a programmer when you write your first program, not just your first line of code. At that point, it's just about what level of programmer you are. Maybe you're an amateur programmer, a hobbyist programmer. It doesn't matter. But if you don't keep it up, you are a former programmer. So to me, a programmer is someone who programs very regularly at some level or another. But then it's at this point that it kind of gets twisted around. People wonder what it takes to be called a professional programmer. One very simple definition is that you get paid to program, you're a professional programmer. That's certainly one definition. The difference between professional athletes and amateur athletes is, theoretically, uh, if you're familiar with amateur sports in America, that there's a paycheck for professional athletes, but not for amateur athletes. So that definition is certainly possible. However, this isn't usually what people mean by the term, so I'm not going to cheat and stop there. One individual on the internet claimed that you can call yourself a professional programmer when you've completely written and compiled a standalone application in Java, C++, Python, Pascal, VB, or anything else like that, either on the clock for a company or privately as an independent contractor. To be seasoned is to have done this multiple times for many prominent companies or in a successful venture over a length of time, like five years or something, to that effect. Any web language's work is simply scripting, as this work is not yet standalone 
and it typically relies on another technology to function. That kind of role can be called a web developer, and it's a great living, yet for the purpose of semantics, it's not technically professional computer programming. I completely disagree with this. First of all, the idea that scripting languages aren't standalone, so they don't count, but Java, C++, all these things are written on top of other libraries, which rely on other functions, which rely, you know, all this stuff. I, I don't know what they're talking about standalone. I completely consider web developers programmers, more so today than ever before. Front-end developers aren't really worth their salt anymore if they only know HTML and vanilla CSS. More and more, they need to know less and SAS and some kind of JavaScript framework to get any work done. The notion that scripting isn't programming is completely preposterous, especially if by scripting you mean JavaScript or PowerShell or Bash. Those are Turing-complete languages that can let you accomplish a lot of things. To me, I do think that a notion of a professional programmer does have some sense of doing the job for pay, not necessarily even as a job, as a software engineer, you know, with a title like software engineer or something. Maybe you do some work on the side, or you're building something that you hope to sell or somehow monetize, so you're pre-revenue, as people would say in the startup community. This all qualifies in my book. But professional, more importantly, is also a state of mind. When someone talks about a professional individual, that also describes an attitude and a personality trait. To me, a professional has or strives to have the following skills. Number one, the desire and ability to be a lifelong learner. Doctors and lawyers and teachers all constantly take continuing education courses to make sure that their skills are up to date and that they're aware of the latest techniques in their field. Managers and executives and business people do too. Programmers have it harder than all of these folks. Everything's constantly changing. There are doctors who, five years from now, are still going to be able to be a doctor if they don't learn one brand new thing. But it's entirely possible that five to ten years from now, people who are programming can't use almost any of their current skills to get a top-tier job. I've said all this before and many times, but it always bears repeating. Programmers need to be lifelong learners. They need to learn multiple languages, multiple paradigms, multiple styles, and so on and on and on. If you learned HTML in 1998 and you still only know HTML, that's a problem. If you only know how to write console applications, if you've been doing that for a decade and you have no knowledge of networking and the web or databases, that's a problem. You are basically one technology shift from not having a job and making too much money to get hired on as a junior developer, which is all that you'd be qualified for in the, in the new world. You should learn a new technology or new language every year. Don't stay in the .NET stack or the LAMP stack or only procedural or only object-oriented or only functional. You need to become well-rounded. The longer you're in the, you're in the industry, the more well-rounded you should become. That isn't to say you shouldn't have niche skills to make yourself more valuable if you're a freelancer, but you should still become a more rounded, more well-rounded individual. Another skill that you need to have to be a professional is the skill of communication. Guess what? As much as you want it to be true, my fellow nerds, there are only a few jobs out there that pay extremely well where you can just sit in a corner with headphones on, crank out code without interacting with fellow humans. It just isn't reality. That's the kind of work that could be offshored or outsourced pretty easily. Do you know what can be outsourced easily? Technologists who communicate clearly to management and to the team. That includes talking to BAs and QAs and junior developers and maybe vendors or, heaven forbid, a person from the business. Even if you don't have to talk to these people all that often, having a knack for writing clear and concise emails that communicate well 
and don't make a hundred assumptions is extremely valuable. It's hard to hear, but if one guy is a very solid developer, maybe two times more productive than an average developer, and another one is a 5x developer, you know, five times more productive, but the 2x guy has more soft skills, believe me that the business sees the 2x communicator as valuable 99 times more valuable 99 times out of 100 in the real world, probably 999 times out of 1,000 if we're talking in the enterprise or the government space. A professional programmer also is someone who learns the tools of their trade very well. That includes your IDE, add-ons like ReSharp, or utilities like AutoHotKey, tools like version Control, this kind of stuff. Any professional developer who has been working even a month better understands source control, or I don't want anything to do with them. It's all but impossible to work on a team or even alone on a code base of any size without source control. Number three, testing. This one is loaded. There are so many people that try to tell you if you don't write tests first, you aren't a professional that you don't care about your code. There are others who will say that if you don't write unit tests with some XX percent code coverage, then you don't care and you aren't a professional. One definition I heard once that is that any code that was not written under and covered by unit tests was, quote, legacy code as soon as it hit the disk. To me, that's a pile of masturbatory bullcrap. There is value in testing, but there are a lot of ways to go about it. Some people learn testing early and others learn it late. But to say that someone isn't a professional because they don't write tests is asinine. That's why people don't like us, because being dogmatic about something like that is insane. I've been part of writing a system that has been in production for five years. It has almost no unit tests. Making changes in one area does not break 100 areas. The code hasn't been proven difficult to learn or to modify. But how can that be possible without unit tests? TDD and unit tests are like a religion to some people. And it's very off-putting to say the least, especially when there can be people who have experiences like mine. However, while there aren't unit tests, there are functional tests. There are end-to-end tests. There are certainly manual tests performed. Whatever form it takes, testing is very important. I'm not mad at folks who unit tests or practice TDD. They're working at a very advanced level of their craft, and there isn't a single doubt about that. But at the same time, to say that people who aren't exactly at that level are somehow less worthy and less professional is wrong. My opinion on testing is yes, do it. But for the love that's all this holy, test your code, please. It may start out extremely manual at first, but then you'll figure out how to automate some of those manual testings that you're doing through tooling and scripting. Oh snap, calling back to tooling and scripting, things that we talked about earlier, it's all important. After that, you may figure out how to test things as you write them or before you write them, and all of that is good. So professionals learn their craft through languages, paradigms, and tools. Professionals are good communicators, and they test their code. Lastly, and most importantly to me, the one that if you have it, will drive everything else that I've said before this, a professional takes pride in their work. They care about doing a good job. They care if their code works. They take defects personally, and they strive to do better. If I had to sum up the one trait that was common in every developer that I hated working with in my career, It was exactly this. It was a lack of taking pride in the work. They did not take pride in their work. Maybe they were just in this for a paycheck and they just wanted to punch in, do their little tiny piece of the pie and punch out. No concept of understanding the whole or improving their skills. No concept of wanting to be known for writing code that works and churning it out in a timely fashion or for being easy to get along with or easy to talk to. No desire to learn new things. 
but instead being content to be a closed-minded code bigot. And because they aren't good communicators, they're very closed off to making themselves understood, so they appear even more hopelessly out of touch. It drives me nuts. So that's it. That's my opinion on what makes a programmer and what makes a professional programmer. I hope that made a little bit of sense. Certainly, if you have any feedback about this, let me know. It's now time for my picks of the week. My first pick of the week this week is a blog post over at andyadams.org called You Can Charge More. In this post, Andy talks about what kind of rates freelancers try to, should try to charge and how they're probably charging too little. For a year and a half, Andy's process for picking a rate was pick a number between 50 and 80. Send that number to a prospective client as an hourly rate. Cross fingers and hope for the best. Then he said that helped keep him afloat until a single massive pricing mistake made me question my entire career choice. I'll let you find his blog and check the link in the show notes to see what the massing pricing mistake was, how he corrected it, and how he determines his rate now, and whether you should freelance at all compared to taking a salaried position. It's a great article, and you should definitely give it a read. My second pick of the week this week is CodeWords over at codewords.hackerschool.com. CodeWords is a quarterly publication about programming from Hacker School. They're only at their first issue, which came out this month, December 2014. There are articles about when is equality transitive and other floating point curiosities, type systems and logic, why are objects so hard to debug, option and null in dynamic languages, and an introduction to functional programming. These aren't light articles full of fluff, the kind of stuff that you might find just in regular blog posts, but instead these explore these topics in a more academic way, but in a much more approachable fashion, kind of like a more obtainable communications of the ACM, if you've ever gotten that journal. So that's it for this week. Thank you guys for a great year on the podcast. It's been a lot of fun and a good learning experience so far. If you would, a perfect holiday present would be if you could take a moment and rate this podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found me. Placement and discoverability isn't about downloads. It's all about rankings and ratings, so every little bit helps. If you have any feedback about this podcast or any questions, concerns, or comments, you can find me on Twitter as at PeteOnSoftware or on my blog, PeteOnSoftware.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. (laughs) 